Hey, one more thing before you go. In this episode, a story of a quest for inner peace, overcoming the dark side of negativity, from being born with her right foot up against her right shin to being adopted, to two alcoholic parents, mercilessly teased as the first girl boarder at a boys' boarding school. Growing up with two alcoholic parents were hard enough, but then you find your mother dead on the bathroom floor when you're only 19 years old. How do you cope with that? How do you access those deep-held emotions and tensions to heal from mental and physical ailments? We're going to find out when and how when we have a conversation with Ann Hintz who lived through it and can show you how you can too if you're experiencing anything similar to this. I'm your host, Michael Hurst. Welcome to One More Thing Before You Go. When Ann Hinch was 19, she woke up one morning to find her mother dead in her bathroom. 20 years later, the tears from that trauma were still under the surface. Ann found a simple technique that helped her to release these emotions, but she went further and can now put her awareness inside her body and has changed the bone structure of her skull and grown a half an inch at age 55. I'm sorry, Ann, I gave part of your age away. (laughs) Ann has found that sinking out Seeking out our truth that we truly feel and accepting those feelings is the key to inner peace. So, welcome to the show, Anne. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. You know, you've had an amazing journey. And uh, I think that uh, what you have to offer to the world is like an outstanding opportunity for us all to take the opportunity to kind of uh, grow and learn from the techniques that you have learned in order to... um, kind of help us uh, understand life from a different perspective and and turn it into positive things. Indeed, yes. Uh, (laughs) There's so much more to it than I ever realized was possible. You know, I think, you know, I think I, you know, when you, I'm stumbling over my words here. I think that, uh, at least in my conversations on this podcast especially, uh, you know, I've done over 200 interviews and I learned something from each and every one of them because the perspectives and the experiences are all unique to each of us, but they all are similar in many, many ways. We just have to be open to understanding that although each one of us have different experiences, each one of us are, um, are, are unique in our own journeys, that we all kind of share some things about those journeys that can benefit us. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that actually helped me on my journey was actually being aware that other people have a different experience. And I would ask myself, well, what are they seeing that I'm not seeing? Right? If they're right mm. in their experience, what is it they're seeing that I'm not seeing? And can I, can I open my mind to see it from that perspective? Yeah, I think you've done a very good job about that. I mean, and again, amazing journey, which we're going to get into. Um, 
But let's start at the beginning. I love to start at the beginning. It's kind of like a, the old show, This Is Your Life. I like to kind of unfold your life a little bit so we know where you came from and how you got to where you're at. Uh, can you tell us where'd you grow up? Sure. My, my beginnings are a little bit unusual, I think. I was actually conceived in New Zealand and my mother found out she was pregnant on her way back to England. She was going back by boat and then she actually hitchhiked across Canada in midwinter in the first trimester. And wow. she went back to England and I was born there. I was actually born with my right foot up against my right shin. So the first six weeks of life were physical therapy. And then she gave me away for adoption. She knew she had made that decision on her way back. That that's what she was going to do. So I was adopted into a family that had just suffered a trauma. They had a two year old boy that they had adopted as a baby and they adopted another little girl and they had her for six months. And then that birth mother changed her mind. So they had to give that little baby girl back to her mother. And I was the replacement into the family for that. So obviously she wouldn't have been able to connect or they wouldn't have been able to connect as easily with me because they were afraid that my birth mother would do the same thing, but she didn't. And at six months, we started to move around the world. My parents had already lived in multiple places around the world. So um, we had six months in England or however long it was, probably a year. And then we went to Barbados first, and then we moved to Sierra Leone. And when we were in Sierra Leone, we had a house fire and I was the one who saw the flames coming through my bedroom wall and alerted everyone. And then from Sierra Leone, we moved to Hong Kong and we were in Hong Kong for several years. While we were in Hong Kong, I was sent to boarding school in England. My brother was already there and it was a boys boarding school. So I was the first girl boarder at a boys boarding school. I was there for two years and I was teased mercilessly while I was there, <clears throat> excuse me. And then I went to a girls boarding school and, and while I was at the girls boarding school, the family moved to Bahrain in the Persian Gulf. And then from there, they went back to England. So that's, that's an amazing, countries. that's a lot of moving. It, may I ask what your parents did for a living? Is, is that why you guys moved so much? Yes, my dad worked for Cable and Wireless, a big telecommunications company. Oh, very interesting. That's interesting. You know, it, it's it. I have I was not adopted, but I've talked to other people that were. But I did have a stepfather for over twenty five years because my father passed away at a very early age, and um, so I relate in certain to a certain extent. But my father, um, Burl, became my father, and Burl it proved to me that you don't have to be blood to be family. You know, he he was great to my to me, to my wife, to my kids. You know, my kids only knew him as grandpa. They didn't know him as step grandpa. They knew him as grandpa. They didn't you know what I mean? So I'm very happy that you found a family that you were able to settle down and into. That's very nice. Thank you. It's a little bit more complex than that. <laughs> well, yes, yes, but this is your story, so I just, I just want to interject a little bit of, of, of the fact that you don't have to be blood to be family. You know, you can find a family for adoption or for as a step, stepchild. You know, you just have to kind of, kind of, you know, look under, look over that, I guess. Right. I mean, I didn't know I was adopted until I was 13 and my brother was 15. That's when we were told that we were adopted. And I actually met my birth mother when I was 17 because 
at the adoption, she'd actually been handed the wrong adoption papers for a moment and she saw our surname and she saw the place we lived, the little village we lived in Cornwall. And there was only one big employer in that village and that was Cable and Wireless. And she happened to have a cousin who worked for the same company. So she looked at the company magazines and she knew which countries we were living in at the time. And she knew when we were back in England and she contacted us when I was 17. And then my birth, my adopted mother died when I was 19. So it was like there was two years I had where I knew both of them. And then it was almost like I reverted back to my birth mother. So it was a little strange. Yeah, very, very interesting. How did you, I know that we started this introduction with uh, the fact that you found your mother on the floor of the bathroom. Can we talk about that? Sure, yes. Both of my parents became alcoholics in my teenage years. And my dad had anger issues anyway, so I got PTSD. I would say I had PTSD from living around him and his anger issues. But they also both started drinking a lot in my teenage years. And my mother would drink a bottle of sherry a day. She essentially pickled herself, I would say. And she had throat and lung cancer from drinking and smoking, I believe. And one night, the one of the tumors in her throat burst and she that started in her bedroom, she walked past my bedroom in the night and bled out, I guess, in the bathroom. And that's where I found her in the morning. And at the time I was the only one in the house. My brother was at his girlfriend's house and my dad was working in Saudi Arabia at that point. So it was, it was a big trauma and I just really dealt with it the way I'd done with all the other traumas I'd dealt with throughout life. And I just suppressed it because I didn't know, I didn't know there was anything else to do, to be honest. So I just carried on with life. Yeah, it's interesting. You and I have some, some thing in common there. Both my parents were alcoholics. And it's difficult to grow up in that environment. It's difficult to you kind of, I agree with PTSD in regard to that. I think they just started to recognize um, children that have grown up with, or people that are in that environment, uh, uh, suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, which I'm, I'm happy, I, I need to say this very carefully, I, I'm not happy about the circumstances they're in, but I am happy from, from a personal perspective and a professional perspective that they're starting to recognize that that is post-traumatic stress disorder and people can get help once they recognize that growing up, especially in that environment. So you, <clears throat> you went to carry on. Did you go from there? Did you go to college, go to university? Yeah, I was actually at university at the time when I found my mother, I was actually home for a little bit. Yes. So I did. I, I, I had a degree in computer science. I was the only female on my course <laughs> and kind of like the boarding school <laughs> example, <laughs> but I wasn't teased there. Uh, yes, yeah, so I graduated um, when I was 21. I moved out to California at that point and worked as a software engineer in Silicon Valley. Oh, very cool. Well, yeah, so talk about world traveling. Absolutely. Got a taste of world traveling, didn't you? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I happen to have met my now husband when I was 18. He actually met my mother before she died. And he, the first time we spoke, he invited me to his leaving party because he, he was leaving to come out to California. So we had a long distance relationship for several years. And then I moved out to be with him when I was 21. Okay, and do you, do you, are you still in California? And I think you froze on me. 
Do you still live in the California area? I do. Yes, I live in Northern California, in the Sierra foothills. So I've, I've got to ask this just as a side note, with everywhere you've traveled in the world, um, what's your favorite place you went to? Huh? I loved being at Hong in Hong Kong. I love the food. I love the beach close by. But in England, I love the greenery. It's so green there. And I miss that in California. But the weather in California is beautiful. So I'm not sure that I have a favorite place, but there are different aspects from different places from different places. That makes sense. That, that works. Um, <clears throat> so your mother passed away when you were home from from school. Um, from that point in life, you graduated. Uh, you said you met your husband there. Did you start your own family then? Yes. Uh, well, in my 30s, yes, I have two boys who one's 23 and one's 19. Congratulations. Um, I have two girls. I, I'm a parent as well. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Let's talk about your journey into um, understanding from a deeper perspective within side of how to deal with emotions and how you how you started that embarking on that journey. I know that you worked in the Silicon Valley area. You were working as a computer, is it computer science? Software engineer. Software engineer. Well, it's a little bit different. I probably <laughs> software, <laughs> engi software engineer is a little more. <laughs> are you still a software engineer or are you primarily dedicated to, to what you do um, on your, on your website and what you do now for people? Yeah, <clears throat> I haven't been a software engineer since I've had kids. So yes, I was a stay at home mother for a long time. So, you know, during my twenties and thirties, most of my thirties, I was trying to heal. I had a lot of stomach issues, a lot of digestive issues, and I tried outside things. I tried changing diets. I, I did fasts and cleanses and all sorts of things, different diets, a lot of different diets just to ease that tension on the inside and things would work for a little while, but then I'd always revert back to how it had been in the past. So it wasn't until I was in my late thirties and my boys were young that I had what I call a business altercation with a couple of other mothers at school where they told me I'd done something wrong and I didn't think I'd done anything wrong, but they were self-confident, self-assured authority type women. And I was not, I lived in fear. So my mind went out of control. It just started going over and over what they'd said and what I'd said and what I'd done. And it just went on for days and I couldn't sleep. And I realized at that point that I don't think this is normal. I don't think other people would react this intensely to what had happened. So and that's when I realized what well, it feels a little bit like how I would react when my dad would tell me I'd done something wrong. And that was the first inkling I had that maybe there's something from childhood that I need to look at, which is so funny for me to say, because there's so much I had from childhood to look at, but it was just a little opening into something that I needed to look at. Is that where um, EFT came into play? It was close to then. So it was soon after that, because I didn't know what to do. I just knew I needed to do something. So it was in that time frame I went to a doctor's appointment and he was a holistic physician 
And he recognized that I was more stressed than I should be in the situation I was in because I was a stay-at-home mother with two young boys, mm. which can, you know, that can be really stressful, but he recognized I was more stressed than that. And he asked me what my stress level was on a zero through 10. And I said eight. And then he asked me why. And it was that question that made me realize, oh, it was finding my mother, which is now two decades earlier, because the tears were still just under the surface. They hadn't gone anywhere. They were still sitting there inside of me. So he used this technique with me. It's called EFT, which is short for Emotional Freedom Technique. It's also called tapping because we're tapping on our body as we're talking to something through. And he used it with me for about 15 minutes. And I walked away from that appointment, being able to tell the story of her death in my mind without the tears there anymore. And that was the first time I realized that we just store those emotions and those memories physically inside our body and that we can let them go. So what you're saying, just to to reiterate and kind of understand a little more deeper, so, so in the, those kind of traumatic memories, um, obviously we store them in our minds, but it will have a physical effect on our bodies? Yeah, we don't just store them in our minds, we store them in our bodies. Our bodies as well. Do you think that yes. attributes to disease or to, uh, to maybe injuries or things like that? Can it, can it cross over? Absolutely. Yeah, I almost think it's one and the same. It is, you know, we, we'll get to my story, the later parts of my story later, but it is actually dis-ease that is stored physically in our body. And when we think the same things and feel the same things over and over again, it's actually instilling that dis-ease inside of us. That's really interesting. Yeah, I'm excited about learning more about that. I think that it would be a a learning experience for me as well. So um, I know that you, uh, you taught yourself how to feel your own feelings. Was that through this process or did you learn it as you went from this holistic, I'm glad you went to a holistic um, person to help you move things forward. It helped. I wholeheartedly, anybody that knows me on this podcast and my friends and family know that I wholeheartedly believe in holistic and naturopathic approach to healing. Um, I think that it is a, a, a deeper connection between ourselves and our body when we take that yeah. approach. Yeah. The thing is, I wasn't actually going to him for that. I can't remember why I was going to him. He, he's, I mean, he's a he's an MD, but he's a holistic MD. So I wasn't going to him for that. Mm. But because he was a holistic MD, he recognized that okay. connection. And, and he worked with me on that, which was totally unrelated to what it was I was going to see him about. It's a brilliant but doctor. There was, yeah, there was so much relief in that 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 it that's what started my journey so i went home and learned how to use it because the person who developed it gary craig gave it away for free online so anyone can go online and learn how to use it you can learn it in five to ten minutes it's a very simple technique and i wanted to check out that it worked i wanted to know that it wasn't just a one-off you know fluke that that he had worked with me on my mother's death and that that was the only time it was going to work so luckily for me, I had a cat at home. Well, it wasn't luckily because he was actually dying, but we'd been told he needed to have a daily saline shot, an injection of saline, and I was going to have to give it to him. And the first time I gave him that shot, my hand was shaking almost out of control. It was ridiculous. I wasn't going to be able to do it on a daily basis, which is what we had just been told he needed to do. So I thought, well, I'll just tap on it. I'll try out this technique and see what it does. 
So I tapped about my hand shaking, about my fear of hurting the cat and the fear of giving him the injection and all the memories I had from all the injections I had had from living in all those different countries. And the next day when I gave him the shot, the needle just slid right in. All that fear that I had been holding inside the day before had totally disappeared. And that's when I realized two things. First of all, EFT is deceptively powerful. Doesn't look like it's doing much, but it really is. And that freedom is on the other side of that fear and those emotions. And that's where I wanted to be. That's amazing. I mean, when you stop and think about it, I mean, those of you that are watching and listening out there, uh, any of us that have gone through any kind of uh, PTSD or stress, um, do do it, even with my disease, when I mentioned earlier, unless I have a flare-up, um, anger or tension or stress will cause me to have a flare. And uh, I, I'm assuming that the tapping or this EFT would kind of help relieve that in, in that particular case. Am I it understanding would, it correctly? It would help relieve the anger or the stress or whatever's happening. Because EFT is working on finding your truth in the moment, right? So you actually notice what you're thinking or what you're feeling and you tap on that. You tap on accepting it. It's like, I feel angry and that's okay, right? Or I'm, I'm feeling stressed about this thing and that's okay. I'm going to feel that stress. I'm going to tap on my body on the specific places that are part of the EFT sequence. I'm going to tap on those places as I'm saying something like i'm stressed right i just feel stressed right now right. and it releases that tension from the body so if that if you were able to do that in the moment then perhaps the flare-up wouldn't come that's very interesting do you think it's beneficial uh, not only physically but mentally absolutely it it's all connected all connected <laughs> it's all connected right so i believe every mental thing even you know, I've got to the point that I can get so deep in the body that I can feel what happens in the body when we think a single word, right? So even mm. words have a physical component to them. So thoughts have a physical component. So beliefs have a physical component, right? So it's all also physical. Well, and I can understand that. I mean, when you start to think about it, when we feel happy, I mean, we can feel it deep inside. We can feel our heart happy. When we feel sad, we can feel our heart sad. We can literally feel it. Um, when we feel angry, same thing, you know. And when whole, you see someone, yeah, when, see, when you see someone who's angry, you can tell you that can they're tell. angry by the way they're holding themselves. Yes, one hundred percent. And that's that's the physical, what I call the physical sensations underneath the emotions. There is tension in the connective tissue or the fascia in how we hold ourselves when we're feeling a particular emotion. And that's what I started to become aware of, right? I, I did a lot of tapping. So I, I wrote through, down every emotional memory I could think of from my childhood. And I tapped through one of those each night for about an hour to an hour and a half each night until I'd gone through them all. And I found my mind becoming quiet and peaceful, which was my goal. Mm. <laughs> it was really nice. And I realized that EFT is actually opening up the subconscious mind. It's opening up the memories that are stored inside. And as we allow them to be expressed, the feelings that we've suppressed, as we allow them to release, we actually expand our awareness. 
we're kind of letting go of those barriers, those emotional barriers that we've had around ourselves and we're becoming more vulnerable. We're more open to how we're feeling. So I started to become aware of my emotions and then I became aware of the physical sensations underneath the emotions. So like for me, fear, I often felt fear and I would feel that mostly in my, as tension in my stomach or my solar plexus, right? Possibly mm -hmm. hence all the digestive issues. So when I became aware of the tension, the fear as tension, then I could focus on those physical sensations themselves. And I didn't feel like I needed to tap as much. I could have tapped about the fear in my stomach. I could have used those words and I would still access it, but not as directly as just feeling those sensations. Mm -hmm. So now I've gone out of the mind, right? EFT is working more with the mind and the tapping connected to the physical. But once I could feel those sensations, I could just be in the sensing mind as opposed to the thinking mind. And I would just feel that fear in my stomach. I had to teach myself how to feel the feelings. That's what I call it, just feeling your feelings. Right. And it wasn't as easy as it sounds like it should be, right? Because I'd suppressed them for decades. And to actually feel them, I realized I actually had to hold myself like a statue. So I would do it while I was doing the dishes. I'd recognize I'm thinking a thought and this thought is fearful. So then I would, I would stop. I would find that fear sitting inside of me, probably my stomach, and I would focus on it. And the only way I could focus on it would be to hold myself like a statue. So I would totally stop moving. And I also had to stop breathing. I had to stop breathing at that place in my breath where I could feel that tension. And then I would hold myself like a statue that I would talk to the fear. I would talk to that tension inside my stomach. I would say things like, I can feel you right there. I can feel you fear sitting right there in my stomach. And I just want to feel you. I want to allow you to be felt. I want to acknowledge you. I want to accept you. I just want to feel you. And at some point I would have to take a deep breath. And during that deep breath or before it, around that time, there would be a shift. And that tension or that fear sitting in my stomach would release slightly. And then I would think the thought again, this fearful thought, feel where the fear is again, do the same thing. There would be another shift and I would do it over and over again with the same thought until all that fear had disappeared. At which point that thought that had the fear is now free. It's an amazing process. That's pretty crazy. Um, crazy cool, actually. You know, it, it is, I think we all suppress our feelings because we've, especially in this day and age, um, and, and even in the past, obviously, but um, even as a cop, when I was a cop, you can't cry, you can't show fear, you can't, you know, show, you can't be a human being. <laughs> you, you know, you, 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 you're compassionate and you're empathetic, but it's difficult to, to show how you really felt. You have to, you can't show somebody that you're scared. You can't show somebody that, you know, you, I had five suicides during uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day that I investigated, which it, to me, I just suppressed those down. Every time I knocked on somebody's door on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and had to knock on somebody's door and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. And they're going Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And you have to say, can I talk to you outside? And you can't break down. You have to be strong. So we 
as human beings, me and my particular job, I had to learn to suppress those. And, and Absolutely. that compound yeah. upon each other. You know, I have almost 17 years of that, uh, of doing that. It took me a long time to, that's why I get into meditation. So I, I kind of say that it, because I, it, it almost sounds like a, a similar to meditation and acupuncture at the same time. Do you think there's some similar modalities in there? It is a little similar to that. Yeah, the acupuncture. I mean, it is a form of acupressure because you're tapping on the body, right? But at least the EFT is, right? You're right. tapping on the body as you're talking through something that happens. Let me just go back to what you just said because I don't want to forget it. It's like when we're suppressing or not expressing how we're actually feeling at the time, we're putting on a facade. And what we're doing is we're, we're kind of pulling on the connective tissue, right? Our connective tissue wants to express something. We're forcing it not to, and we're storing those emotions and those feelings inside that connective tissue. It's getting stuck. It's still in there and it will come out if you let it, if you find a way to let it. That's my dogs coming upstairs. That's okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is life, right? Yes. Right. So I, I do believe all those tears that we have never shed are actually still stuck inside of us and they will release if we find a way to let them release. But when we suppress it so much and think of the armed services, right? They are, they are trained to suppress it all. Like we, we are, we are cops too. You're, you're trained right. to suppress it. You can't, if you get hurt, you can't go out just a minute, time out. You, you right. know, but it, with EFT, right? With EFT, if you knew EFT, you could go home in the evening and you could tap through the events of the day and let it out at that pl at that point so that you're not carrying it into the next day. That's very beneficial, actually. In many, in many, many ways, that's very beneficial. It, I mean, again, I've learned in meditation, and, and I, this would give me another step, personally would give me another step to continue to release everything that was held within me from the time I grew up with two alcoholic parents, my father passing away, all the way forward through my career. So yeah, right. I think it's really, it's a, it's a very interesting approach to all that. So meditation is slightly <clears throat> different. I, you know, there are forms of meditation that go more into the somatic or the feeling into the, into the body more. But generally, we think of meditation as being in the mind, right? We're trying to quiet the mind or do something with the mind. This work is bringing you out of the mind and into the body. So there is a difference there. And we're delving deep into the dark parts of the body, right? The history mm -hmm. that we've stored inside, the dis-ease that we stored inside, and we're cleaning it out. We're looking at it closely and cleaning it out and letting it go. So to me, it's a much deeper process than meditation. Meditation is beneficial because mm -hmm. in the moment of meditating, right, you're actually in a peaceful place. And I think of it through the law of attraction that we're emitting a signal all the time and we're attracting back to us based on that signal. So if you're in meditation and you're emitting a peaceful signal, you're going to attract that back into your future. But to me, this work, the EFT, the feeling of feelings is actually changing a deeper part of us, a more base level of our signal. And so that we're actually going to attract something different based on that. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, yeah, I think we, with the with the reason I thought uh, uh, somewhat of a connection there was because of what you said in the beginning about uh, making us more aware and um, and so forth. So this going deeper 
in deeper into a connection with with our bodies and with those people can't see me move my hands around because I talk with my hands the <laughs> deeper into our bodies um, I, I can see how that would allow us to be able to kind of scrape those things those barnacles off the wall basically and um, open them up and let them go that what a that's what a brilliant opportunity to kind of uh, to let that go uh, I know you you've got Earlier when we first started this, you said like there were like three segments. So when you first started learning this and started getting through this, how long did it take you to get involved in in really understanding this and then and then moving into what how you wanted to utilize this to help other people? <laughs> well, I was in my late thirties when I started using EFT. When I learned about EFT, probably took a couple of years of doing EFT to really become aware of the physical sensations so a deeper level of awareness right. and then then started working on that so i started feeling my feelings rather than tapping so at night i would lay on the sofa and feel my feelings i would m work more with collective traumas at this point because i'd worked through my childhood so i'd bring something like 9 11 to mind because we all have our own experience of collective traumas so I would bring all those emotions and those feelings back into my body and just feel them and accept them and allow them to shift and let go. And I don't remember the time frame that I was in this period of the journey, maybe a year, two years, three years, I'm not sure. And But at some point, uh, I actually found that I could keep my awareness inside my body after the tension had dissipated which was the first part of the journey that I'd never heard of before. I didn't know it was possible to do this. So I didn't know what I was doing. I was just playing at this point. It's like, okay, I can put my awareness inside. What does that even mean? So the only way I can kind of explain it to you is imagine you have a toothache or stomach ache. You can pinpoint where that pain is coming from. But once the ache has disappeared, you can't pinpoint it anymore because it's gone. It's not calling your attention there anymore. And I found I could keep my awareness inside my body still so I could find that place where that pain had been coming from. And then I realized I could do it again a second time. And then I tried to do something. What can I do now that I can put my awareness inside? So I would just see if I can move it around. And I found that I could. So what could I find in there? I would, I would find that I could find tension or no tension. So I'd find a place that felt like it was tense I would focus on it, same thing that I was doing with the feeling, the feelings, focus on it, hold my awareness there, and there would be a shift. And then I would do it again and again and again until the tension had released. And so I just kept doing this. I would move around my body and release tension. And I'd find all this tension and I had no idea, I had no awareness that it had been there before, but it had, I just hadn't been aware of it before. So it took me many, many months, many months. I don't know how long, but many months before I could actually put my awareness inside my head. And when I got my awareness inside my head, it was eye-opening to me. There was so much pain in my left cheek and the forces that I could feel pulling my bones out of alignment was just out of this world. Amazing, these forces inside of my head. And I had lived 50 years without knowing that these forces and this pain was inside my head. 
So we are just not aware of this tension or this dis-ease that we actually keep inside from our past, from everything that's happened. So as we go through this journey, we become aware of this deeper and deeper level. And as you go, you become able to deal with it, right? So I was actually able at this point to focus on this pain in my cheek and let it go, focus and let it go just over and over again at a deeper level each time. And eventually I got to a point where I actually heard and felt something release and it felt and sounded like old fabric ripping. And that's when I did some research and realized that it's actually an adhesion in the connective tissue that is actually releasing. So I realized I wasn't hurting myself because I was a little afraid the first time it happened. So I just kept doing it. And each yeah. time I'm releasing more and more tension inside my skull. And eventually it got to the place I could actually feel the bones relax into what I now know is a more aligned position. But at the time it just felt like it was a deeper relaxation of the bones. And that was uh, pretty interesting. That, I mean, when you hear it from this side, uh, that's an amazing, I, dare I say, sounds bizarre, because it's hard to believe that you could literally accomplish that. I, I guess, you know, you wouldn't think that doing your bones like that. I mean, I think you had mentioned on your stuff that you had sent to me that your eye sockets aligned, your neck straightened out, your jaw centered, uh, your tooth roots have grown back, and you've grown a half an inch at the age of 55. That in itself it is like the the possibility of that is almost unfathomable. That's that's amazing. Yeah, well, I, I I agree. That's why it was so great to get the X-rays and actually see. You know, I could feel things mm -hmm. happening, but I didn't know for sure that things were happening. I mean, I knew for sure things were happening, but I didn't know how much. So having the X-rays to see those changes over the eight years blew my mind. It's like I didn't even know those bones would move. Yeah, exactly. I mean, who would think that your eye sockets could realign? I mean, that ah, just that's. I sound flabbergasted, but I, I, I in a sense, I kind of am. That's, I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, and that's part of why I'm sharing my story, because I've never heard of this before. And I want other people to know that we have this ability within us to release dis-ease at such a deep level. If we just keep keep doing the work, right? right. It, it took it took intention. But as you go, it, it gets easier and it feels better, right? Because you're releasing tension that's been stored in the body for decades, right? It's got to feel good. Well, and, and you've got pictures on your website that actually show this transformation. You know, I've looked at them myself, and we've linked. We, uh, obviously, we'll link it into the uh, uh, show notes as well. And it's going to be presented here in a few minutes on the uh, on this program. But it, literally, you have uh, photos there that can actually show the difference, so somebody can physically see the difference. And it's not plastic surgery, right? And it's not done with any physical manipulation. It's just done with focused attention. So is the power of the mind. Yes, it, it does. I mean, I didn't know it was possible. So one of the key differences, I know a lot of people really like Joe Dispenza's work, who you may have heard of, or you may not, I don't know. I've but heard. a lot of people have, and he does a lot of 
mind work, visualization work. This is different because this is in the body. And there is a difference between being in the um, thinking mind and the sensing mind, which is what this is. This is feeling. When I'm feeling, I'm not thinking. I'm just feeling. I'm holding my awareness or my attention on something and that's when it releases. It releases the soon as I fully accept it at each level, right? EFT tapping level, you have to accept that you're feeling something or that something happened. Soon as you accept it, it releases. And then at the feeling, the sensations, the soon as there's acceptance, that's when the shift happens. And at this deep level inside the body, soon as you accept that tension, it releases. Now, is this something that we, I mean, you've talked about this here, that you did it on your own. We have to learn it, but it's something that we can do ourselves. We don't necessarily have to go to like a, and I'm just clarifying for our listeners, we don't have to necessarily, once we learn it, we don't have to go back to a chiropractor. We don't have to go to like a medical doctor or something like this. This is something that we can learn, that we can do ourselves, that we have control over, that we have the opportunity to, to heal ourselves from this perspective. Absolutely. Now, I'm someone who likes to do things myself. So I did all of this myself for free. And anyone else can do the same thing. You've got to be willing to realize that freedom is beyond those emotions, because sometimes it's scary to look at our past. And that's why some people need a, a therapist or an EFT practitioner, there are mm -hmm. EFT practitioners, to help them through to find the words even to help them through this period of time. But absolutely, someone can do it on their own. I mean, I think of it, wouldn't it be great if like people in prisons had this information, right? And they did their own healing over the time they were there because all you need is time. Right. You need to be willing to, well, you need willingness <laughs> and desire. That, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, every, we all need that. The first step, we all have to take the first step. If we don't take that first step, we're not going anywhere. Yeah. And I believe at this point, you know, the more trauma you have in childhood, the greater your capacity for spiritual growth. If you decide to take it up, if you really want to, I think you can grow more because you've had more trauma in your life. My brother chose not to do any of this work. He's already died. He became an alcoholic too. But he had the capacity, but he just didn't do it. So well, unfortunately, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. And Unfortunately, those of us that have grown up in an environment that uh, we have to become adults very quickly and um, again, create, we have to suppress, as you said earlier, those, we can't be a child, we can't be a teenager, we can't be a normal individual like everybody else gets to do. We have to take care of our parents, we have to take care of uh, ourselves being in those environments. It's very difficult to kind of move out of them. Um, there are, are a few of us like yourself, like myself, and others that have uh, taken those steps to evolve from that. And, and I'm happy for that. And I th this sounds like a, an absolutely wonderful opportunity for people to be able to take a positive approach in a proactive approach to helping them overcome trauma like that from childhood. You're a testament to that. How has this changed your life? Oh, so many ways. But let me get say something just before we get there, because you mentioned the word positive. 
in that and what you just said let me just emphasize that a lot of EFT practitioners a lot of EFT online they've gone more towards the positive now a key part of this journey of mine is actually realizing that what we need to do is actually accept wherever we are however negative it is we have to accept it if we're trying to think positive what we're actually doing is suppressing what we're actually feeling right we're thinking well that thought isn't good enough so let me do something else but if we fully accept the thought we're having it shifts and then underneath it is already a more positive thought right something right positive thoughts will actually arise naturally if we let them it's when we try it's that word try when we try and think differently or positively that's actually hurting us because we're suppressing so yeah. there's one thing well I, I i agree with everything that you just said and i if i can add this as an individual that had to learn to walk again the thing that the physical therapist kept instilling upon me and I, this is kind of cliche they said don't try do don't try do and, and i think it applies to this as well you you can't start to heal unless you do in in my opinion you can't start to heal unless you do uh it got me walking again it got me walking out of a wheelchair got me to walk my daughter down the aisle and uh you know it got me out of the depression I was in, out of the anger I was in, I had to take I had to take that step and do. My daughter said it to me when I was sitting in a wheelchair when I asked her what she wanted for her wedding present. She said, I want you to walk me down the aisle. And I said, I can't. She said, You can. You just have to do it. Wow. Good job. Thank you. Yeah. And it and it kind of applies in here. So I the <clears throat> At what point in time do you did you decide that um, I'm going to take what I've learned and create an environment for other people to come and do the same thing? After I had been able to put my awareness inside, which I believe is inside, I believe it's the original meaning of the word insight, being able to see inside. I, w I wanted to write it down at that point because I'd gone through these specific steps I realized along the way and certain things happened along the way, right? The body does some weird things when it's releasing trauma <laughs> and releasing stuck energy. So I wanted to write it all down. So I did, I wrote it in a book. But could I go back and just say all the changes that have happened? Is that, I'm assuming that's okay. So, so many changes happen, right? It's, it's a process of enlightenment as we release that burden that we've been carrying, because I felt really heavy throughout my 20s and 30s. I felt weighed down. And this releasing is actually releasing the burden we've been carrying. We actually start to feel lighter. It becomes easier to laugh and to smile at things. So that's that's one thing. Also, I believe, you know, we talk about the signal, the signal that we're emitting changes, right? So as I became peaceful, more peaceful on the inside, less reactionary on the inside. That's what happened around outside, right? So relationships with other people became more peaceful. Life itself became more peaceful. As I was more balanced, more aligned on the inside, things start to align on the outside. And really fun things start to happen. Just synchronicities, just I had an incredible day yesterday. So that happens. 
and so there's physical changes, right? There's also there's mental changes. My, my mind is so much more quieter than it used to be, so much more peaceful, so much more positive. There's so much more understanding. As we understand ourselves on the inside, right? As we can see ourselves on the inside, I can see energy, I can see blockages on the inside. I can see that on the outside as well. So as within, so without is absolutely true. And then one of the fun things that, I've only just realized in the last year or so is that our head is our echo chamber for our voice. So as I started to release the tension in my head, my voice would change. So I always used to love singing to myself in the car and the shower, but my voice was not very good at all. My dad always used to tease me about my voice. It, it just, there were notes that I couldn't sing. Shame but on as I've, <laughs> Oh, absolutely. As I've released all this tension on the inside, and I have more to go, my face is definitely not symmetrical still. But as I've released more and more, my voice has changed. I can actually sing notes now that I could not sing in the past. So for me, that's a really fun change. That's a, that's a great change, actually. I, and singing helps us to release tension. It does. And emotion, actually. Um, that's probably why uh, Taylor Swift writes all the songs that she's angry about all her boyfriends and and all that kind of stuff. She puts it in song and she sings it out and she's doing well. <laughs> yes. The um, I know you said every time that you release tension somewhere in the body, it also releases in your face and your neck. I, we, I know we just talked about that, but I, can I touch kind of more importantly on that? Do you feel, I, I think that at least from my perspective and what I've learned, um, you can usually tell in somebody's face, in somebody's eyes, whether, like you said earlier, whether or not they're angry or depressed or, you know, they're hurting. You know, these type of things, you can see it in somebody's face. It's not, if, if you're looking at them and you're looking correctly. Um, <clears throat> from that, from the physical and mental capabilities of EFT, do you think it can relax our face enough? Um, to, to, well, this may sound kind of bizarre, but to give us back more of a youthful look, because we're taking away the the crow's lines and the this you know the squinting and the everything associated with that, allowing us to release all that tension and kind of make us a more what well, can make us better looking. <laughs> Yes, I mean, absolutely. There's multiple aspects to that. So yes, where it's releasing the facade, right? That facade is held in the connective tissue in our faces and the rest of us. But I believe it starts in our faces because we're wanting to express something with our face, but we're holding it back. So we're holding that tension and it's stored in the fascia, the fascia, the facade of our face. Mm -hmm. So as we're releasing that, it's releasing that tension. And yes, I think those, um, the 11s, we talk about those 11s, 11s, those lines between our, um, between our eyes that people get as right. they age, that is from the tension holding the pressure of our eyes together. So I, I know I'm releasing that. I, I use my hands as well, just like in the air. It's a little weird, but um, yes, I, I can actually feel the tension release and the eye sockets pull apart somewhat <laughs> as I'm doing this work work. So yes, I, I know that that is all due to tension stored in the face 
and that we're releasing it even when we're doing eft right. we're releasing it at some level as we go deeper with the feeling the feelings and going on side watch and releasing at a deeper level so yes i do do believe it can change us and the more we release the tension in the neck right the more we can actually move our head to see different perspectives so as within so without if we can see different physical perspectives we're also able to see different mental perspectives well, and I, I'm realistically, we all keep our tension in our neck, and that usually re, uh, results in a headache or a migraine or something like that. Because, and then stiff neck. Um, my wife sitting at the computer all day and, and having to work on the computer, she ends up with neck pain and and holds her tension in her neck. And I know that it looks like getting a neck massage, basically, um, kind of, just a little bit. It's almost like getting a neck massage from the inside out. Can you help us understand um, maybe some steps that our listeners or viewers can start taking steps to learning how to feel our feelings? Sure. One of the first things I started to do was think about the law of attraction, right? Think about the signal that I'm emitting. So I, I tell, told myself multiple times a day, okay, what, what's my signal right now? And do I want to feel this way again in the future? And most of the time, we, the answer was no. <laughs> so then I would do, do something about it. So the first thing, the most simple thing you can do is just take a deep breath and let it out. Because even doing that is going to change the signal, which is then going to change your future. So if you want to do something a little bit deeper, learn EFT. It's very easy to learn and, and tap, right? As soon as you notice yourself feeling emotional about something, just tap until you feel a shift. Or if you don't want to learn EFT and you are aware of those physical sensations, I couldn't have done that at the beginning. I was not aware of those sensations. But if you are aware of holding your tension, where you're holding it, then just feel it and allow yourself to feel it and not suppress it, but just accept it. And I use those words over and over again. You actually have to do that work to feel feel it and practice it because we're just not used to doing that. Do you think it's a good idea for uh, us to kind of journal a little bit to help us through that, to write down, like you had said earlier, you had started kind of uh, writing down all of those things that you had the PTSD from, for example. Do you think that would be helpful? I think it's helpful. Yes, I think journaling is helpful. I don't really do that, but I do recommend writing down when thoughts come to your mind as to something that you're saying to yourself or something memory from childhood if that comes up I, i'd write it down and then tap on it absolutely that's how we get deeper inside like we can work on things as they come up but to get to deeper healing we actually have to go back and look at those things from our past and release them kind of really work for it from that perspective um <clears throat> pardon me again do you think or feel that uh, we, this can be done at any age? Yeah, I mean, is there, is there, is it too early to start to, to learn EFT or to start working through, through issues? No, there is no, it's not too early. Now, children wouldn't want to necessarily go back and look at their past because they don't have a lot of past. Right. <laughs> but, but if they're emotional, someone can actually, if they're willing, someone can actually tap with them. Right. So I used to tap on my son when he had 
nightmares. I would just go up and I would just tap on his points on his body. I didn't need to use any words because the emotion was already right there. With EFT, we're using the words to bring the emotion or the memory back into our body. But if we're experiencing something right now, we don't need to use any words. We can actually just tap. So I had an experience where I was on a plane and there was a baby that was screaming and we took off and he was screaming all the way up to altitude. And you know how people don't like that on a plane. (laughs) So I actually asked the father to change places with me. And then I asked the mother if it was okay if I tapped on her son. And I tapped on him gently, just two or three rounds, and he fell asleep in his mother's arms because it allowed him to relax enough that he could do that. So you can do it, you know, on anyone. We're, we're going to invite you on our next air flight. You can do that for my wife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she hates flying and she's so stressed out. <laughs> Well, there we go. So that is something that she could do ahead of time, right? She would tap about how much she hates it. She would tap about her memories of going on flights that have been scary, right? She'd tap about every aspect of flying on planes. And then when she got to the airport, she could tap if that fear started to arise again, she could tap right then. And then when she was sitting on the plane, she could tap a little bit more. And each time you're doing that, you're getting to a deeper part of it. Mm -hmm. And she could she could absolutely get over that. And people have done that with EFT. That would be great. We might have to try that. Um, Let's talk about your business and how to get in touch with you and uh, how somebody can get some help if they're looking for help. Sure. My website is anhints.com, A-N-N-H-I-N-C-E.com. And the x-ray photos are on there. So feel free to go and take a look and see how, what you can do, what the possibilities are. And I have my book, it's called A Pathway to Insight, and that's available on Amazon, or you can ask your local bookstore to order it. I also have a YouTube channel that has a video demonstration of EFT and of feeling your feelings and some other videos, parts of the journey that you can check out there. And I also have a public Facebook page and a public Facebook group that is called On A Pathway to Insight. And I'll make sure that all that information is also in the show notes and on the uh, the webpage dedicated to this particular episode so that everybody has access to them. Um, and there's, there's one more thing before you go. So before we go, do you have any words of wisdom that you can share with our viewers and listeners? I do. I love people to start to realize that things that happen aren't other people's fault. We tend to blame other people, right? We'll blame the politicians or the oil companies or a particular country or even the neighbors arguing, right? We like to blame other people, but we always have a part in anything that's happening that we see, and that is how we feel about it. So if we are feeling angry because we're seeing something happening on the news that we don't like, we can work with that feeling of not being happy about that. We can tap about it. We can feel those feelings inside of ourselves and we can come back to peace because when we're at peace, we're attracting peace. So we're so divided right now on all sorts of issues. If we tapped on those issues and we came back to peace, we would change our future. Brilliant words of wisdom. I, that's a, yeah, brilliant words of wisdom. Thank you very much. And thank you for reaching out. Thank you for being part of this program. And I really appreciate you sharing your journey and how others can uh, help uh, help themselves move forward in a very positive way. Uh, uh, I will make sure that everything's in the show notes that uh, people need to in order to contact you 
and to hopefully learn more a little bit about EFT and uh, how they can help improve their lives. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Just a real quick reminder that you can find us on your favorite podcast platform as well as on YouTube. And uh, we appreciate your support in joining us each and every week. Please remember to subscribe and or follow us. We would greatly appreciate it. And we will see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. That's beforeyougopodcast.com. Tell your story, share your expertise, contribute to the blog, and subscribe to the newsletter. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform. And one more thing before you go. Have a nice day, have a nice week, and thanks for listening. One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life podcast, is a creation of One More Thing Productions, established 2010, all rights reserved.